0: Hello welcome to another ShumpCast. I'm Tony Shump, Ralph Nardell. And I'm moving on to ShumpBala! Okay, okay. Well, this is a, uh, uh, uh we've got a special guest on today. It's uh, about, uh, music, so that's why you're you excited. Music, that's why I did music. Ah! <laughs> Mario, that's not good, that's, uh, that's no, a, that's that's tape recording, you know? Yeah. We're, we're, no, my dad was an opera singer. We had a
1: tape recorder. We're I, and, and Ashley Hicks' dad Twitter. was an opera singer too. It was, was his birthday on Friday. We had a yeah. big birthday there. Friday. He turned 57. 57. Yeah. And then hey. Henny on Saturday. We oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, Who are these 59? people? 59. Are, are, oh, yeah. are they famous people? Are they famous people? Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, Wesley Hicks played for bloody Port Mel when he was no. a bounty <laughs> rider. <laughs> actually, his we real name is Ivan. How many Have you voted again? Mate, life. Life and life.
0: life. <laughs> hey, just said uh, the that thing again, again. I like that. Uh, no, don't it, try it, and make it, me it, do it, that. It, uh, no, it, no. It, it's a bit like a... Paper
1: hey, like a paper what about... Oh, my God. My favorite, Bert Newton. Oh, the entertainer,
0: away, yes. Yeah, it's a uh, very that is look. I no, just for our just for our overseas viewers, uh, Bert Newton is Bert pretty, Newton, much, in, institution pretty much an entertainer. How would you, how would you uh, say Bert? A Newton, jack of was, all trades. He yeah, did but, everything. Uh, like, he was a singer,
1: an entertainer, a, a comedian, a humanitarian. He had a, a beautiful family, no. grandchildren. He was and and didn't he get. He was very really big.
0: Amputated. He was one of the best, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. He was like uh, Sammy, Sammy Davis Jr. in America type. Oh, bigger. He would be like the Frank Sinatra. <laughs> Come on. Anyway, what are you laughing about? That's sad. <laughs> no, <laughs> you may be laughing. You're a very funny guy. You're a very funny guy. So right. on the show today, we've got Andrea Baker. She's, uh, Dr. Andrea Baker. Oh, yes, yes. yes. She's, yes. she's in a book called The, uh, the Great uh, Music City. Great Music City. Yeah. and Explores um, music space yes. identity. Yeah, she's an internationally awarded uh, winning journalist, author, educator and researcher with over 20 years experience. Wow, there you go. Hello, Andrea Baker, how are you? Good, thank you. That's uh, good. Now, um, just about your book here, uh, The Great Music City, mm-hmm. the book you wrote. Um, now, the, probably the first question I want to ask you, just in a nutshell, what, what's, what's the book about?
2: The book's about um analysing cities around the world and how they brand themselves as music cities and that's in relation to the economics, their heritage and the whole music scene. So the main three case studies of the book are Melbourne, Austin and Berlin but I look at the big superstar cities such as London, New York, and Los Angeles, also. Dr.
1: Andrea Baker, sorry, this is me, Don. I was just wondering why did you why did you write the book like? Yeah.
2: well, basically, um I was on the city of Melbourne the music committee, yeah. and people were always talking about music cities, but there was no definition or attempt to quantify it. People were liberally saying Melbourne is the global music city of the world, yeah. Melbourne is the live music city of the world, yeah. but there was no um definition or quantification of how music is seen within the economic realm so i decided to write a book and investigate cities how they frame themselves as music cities
0: so uh, how long did it take you to write the book Andrew? Uh, well
2: i was doing it part-time because i also work full-time mm. so it took me about five years Ooh, wow five years long time
0: so you, yeah, so you focused on um, Melbourne, Austin, and Berlin as the uh, as uh, the main cities. That's in Yes, I
2: did that. because yeah. the, those three cities were had very um, strong branding as they were branding themselves as music cities, and the populations were, were all about four million. So it was like you know apples with apples, and also they were sharing music policies and how to engage communities. So they had a lot of similarities that I wanted to draw on and look at how they've all developed. But they also had different histories because the Berlin music scene, you know, has been vibrant, you know, way before the seventeen hundreds. Whereas the Austin music scene really developed about the nineteen sixties. And then I would say at the same time the Melbourne scene developed about the nineteen sixties. So they had different heritage. But they had the same branding processes and they were also sharing policies about how to engage audiences.
0: And now, um, now sticking with Melbourne, why is it a music city? Um, how, do you, how, does, how do you define that as uh, Melbourne is a music city?
2: Well, Melbourne defines itself as a music city because it claims that it's got more venues per capita than anywhere else in the world, but that is debatable and i can discuss that a bit later. So it defines us by having about 550 live music venues. Um, Melbourne defines itself as a music city because it generates a profit within the music industry for about a billion dollars a year. And also Melbourne defines itself as a music city because of the heritage linked to the mushroom record fame, linked to a lot of the musicians that are living here, and linked to the progressive work that the different local councils do in relation to music and music scene. So it's mostly the economics and heritage why Melbourne is seen to be a music city.
1: And what about the capacity? Is it like we've got the most people at, you know, like the MCG would probably hold about 100,000 people? Is it anything to do with capacity well, and
2: stuff? Well, basically, well, well, it's per capita. I mean, like, if you're looking at per capita, and Sydney's got a bigger, a bigger population per yeah, capita, yeah. and Sydney, you know, would probably sell more tickets per capita, but per venue, Melbourne, it comes out ratio on top next to London and New York.
0: So you still think Melbourne is, uh, I mean, um, I remember back in the, you know, 20, 30 years ago, was uh, you know, a lot of venues going, you know, bands playing four or five nights a week. Yeah, buzzing this thing. yeah where now, um, yeah, it's not really like that anymore.
2: Um, you probably get,
0: you know, one gig a week. Well, of... I,
2: think, I think in the last five years with um, different government policies, lockout laws and restrictions in relation to noise where some venues had to close down because a new building was put up next to it and people complained about the noise. Yeah. I think the Music City has had a lot of tensions and strains and, and challenges. But also in the last two years, we all know any music scene in the world has been yeah. impacted by COVID-19. Yeah, yeah. So pre-COVID, we had problems with um, with legislation and noise restrictions. And post-COVID, we now have problems with space distancing and, and licensing laws in relation to safety. Yeah,
0: do you think it's got to do with... Um... Yeah, the music industry has changed. Uh, you know, with the streaming services, you know, like Spotify and all that, they don't bring out uh, records like they used to, sort of. Thing. Well, I, look, I
2: think streaming services have complemented the live music scene. Uh, it always it has when they first started. For example, with Spotify. But as we've seen also during COVID, the live music stream or well, stream was the main, the main place that people went to, and at the end of the day. Um, after during COVID, most people were saying, "When can we physically go back to a live music event?" So people are moving, um, are missing the live music experience. So Spotify and streaming services will never compl- will never be authentic as being there in the mosh pit at, yeah. at a gig. And yeah. people were missing that yeah. last two years.
0: Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's all downloads now. It's pretty much download. You have got to get like a. Like a billion downloads to make some money um yeah mm. is, that, is that correct
2: well basically um you make money from downloads but increasingly people were making more money from live music events yeah. than downloads yeah. so therefore that's why they were constantly touring because the live acts were gener- generating more, more mm. money their download
0: but some of the big bands also too have sold their catalogues. You know, like Fleetwood Mac and the Rolling Stones, I think it was. Or, uh, yeah, some of those bands have sold their catalog for uh, you know so much money, sort of thing. So it's things saying, like to commercialise it. Yeah, saying, oh well, you know, we're not going to make any more money now, so we might as well, you know, cash it in, sort of thing. Well, basically,
2: um, I that's another thing about being at a live music gig. Gig people usually sell their merchandise more at a live music yeah. gig, and also their their CDs than they do online, because people are physically there buying it. Mm-hmm. So therefore, the live music gig also generates the merchandise also. You dedicated
1: this, uh, the book in loving memory of my parents. Can I just ask you about that? I'm sorry, I mean, I don't wanna sound crass or anything like that, but you dedicated this, this book to your parents, why is that?
2: <laughs> well, I probably i de- I've dedicated my first two books to my parents. Oh, uh, because um it was through your parents you learn yeah. about music, you design your taste. Yeah. But my parents were really in to the nineteen forties, post world war, you know, music like Johnson, Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Yeah. And Shirley and then later Shirley Bassey and then yeah. Johnny yeah. O'Keefe and so, I mean, even when I went to Austin, Texas on a field trip for the book, yeah. I'm not really into Willie Nelson, but I remember my mother was, So Willie Nelson is a very much a brand name in Austin, Texas. Yeah. And I think you dedicate um, books to people who have brought you up and yeah. inspired
1: you. I, that, that's what I sort of wanted to know because, um, yeah, your parents were really musical and, yeah, they brought you up. and Was there always music playing in the house?
2: Well, my, my sister and my two brothers were in bands, so there was, always, there was always music in the house that way. Yeah. My mother was a singer, my father played the violin. Oh, but also, as we were young, um, growing up, my siblings were in bands and I was often singing around um, shopping centres with my two sisters in a band. What, what so bands? when I was younger. So yes, music was very much a seminal part of our lives. Beautiful.
1: And why, why didn't you join your siblings as band? I mean, you could have played the tambourine, anything.
2: Well, I played the guitar and all of that. Look, you know, there's a early days. I, I could come back and, and, re, and regenerate a, a career somewhere along the line.
1: We need a guitarist. Can you? All right, we're only a cover group. Oh, acoustic.
2: I play acoustic
1: guitar. <laughs> Mate, we love acoustic guitar. <laughs> yeah.
0: In your book there, Andrew, do you talk about... Um, uh, you know, like vinyl, how vinyl's now take taken over from CDs and you know, it's pretty and much pretty much out, out selling CDs. What's, oh, yeah. what's, what's the story there of all these people uh, buying vinyl records all of a sudden, you know? It's a very unusual um, back to the future. thing to come back into fashion. Well, I
2: think what's happening is that um, the retro music style is coming back into fashion. For example, records and people wearing those big headphones. I think people are really want even wanting to go back to tapes because sometimes you reject something that's so tech and so modern and yeah. so based on technology that you want to go back to the terrestrial example of putting on a physically a record. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, even some of those old tapes we used to get where we in you know, Asia, those cheap two dollar tapes, there's there's something grand and authentic about them. Yeah. So yeah. I think people are going back to vinyl because they're searching for an authentic sound that sometimes the technology and the digital platforms don't provide.
0: Mm.
1: But also it brings us back to our youth, I think. Like, oh, yes, yeah. 100%.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, Yes, sound, it, does. it does. I mean, the sound is its just got a warmer sound vinyl, you know what I mean? Like um, just a great sound vinyl. Hey, can I just talk about some, an elephant in the room? Oh, not
1: an elephant in the room, but... No. Just touching on the COVID stuff before you were talking about, we've yeah. had lots of um, callers or people giving us email about domestic violence and stuff like that during the pandemic and stuff. I heard you did a, a study or something about that. Is that true, An- Andrea?
2: I actually did. Um, where that's about to come out. It's, it's a sideway from music, but it's way to COVID. Yeah. What we did is we analysed the ABC, the BBC, oh, not the BBC, so the ABC. The age and the Herald Sun, how they reported on domestic violence during the first two lockdowns, yeah. which was from March to October last year. Yeah. We did that, and we found that um, those three, you know, outlets, especially the Herald Sun, which is the highest circulating newspaper yeah. in our nation, yeah. um, barely reported on domestic violence yeah. that was happening. Yeah. But they did report on it, but on a very marginalised sense. And they were often confusing domestic violence with family violence yeah. or um yeah. violence against women when those three terms were slightly different but um what we've seen during sorry COVID-19 was a pandemic within a pandemic
0: yeah. yeah so
2: domestic violence increased during COVID-19 and we also had a global pandemic in regards to health. So why did they try
1: and hide, like,
2: why is everybody not talking
1: about, why why are we all always downplaying stuff like that? What can we do about it?
2: Well, well, I I think during COVID-19, everybody was obsessed with the 9am press, uh, well, sorry, the 11am press conference to see how many cases we had and how many people were impacted and what vaccines would help us get us out of this pandemic. So they weren't um, playing it. I think they just had other priorities of news to report on. Yeah. But also I think um, domestic violence is a very sensitive issue. You know, naming the victim or the perpetrator is difficult legally. Yeah. Um, And also sometimes the solutions um, that are out there sometimes don't really work because it's a deeper problem about changing the culture. Yeah. And so it's a deep deep society
0: issue. And also you did some research, uh, Andrea, on um, uh, about sexual violence in the music uh, music scene in Melbourne. Is that part the Office the- of Women, yeah. What, what's the story there? What, what's all that about?
2: Um, I'm currently doing um, some work about sexual violence in Melbourne. I'm looking at how sexual violence has played out within the urban music scene, be it festivals, be it Venues, or even just buskers. So I'm seeing how women and men, and you know, and non, and people who identify as non-binary or yeah. First Nations or trans people, um, what kind of uh, sexual violence also includes harassment, yeah. even verbally. What sort of harassment they experience at venues, and in the central circuit, and on the street, because there's been studies that come out. You may know about. The Sony music case, which broke on Four Corners, ABC Four Corners, a few weeks ago, yeah, it was yeah. about sexual harassment and people are leaving the industry because sexual harassment is rife right within the industry. But sexual violence, which includes harassment and yeah. rape and assault, has been another pandemic within the music industry for, you know, for a long time. Yeah, but so still now, at in this day and age, it's, it, it can't
1: be still going on now, can it? Like sexual violence? Yeah, and I mean, like, in that music industry, all that, like, um, you know, that Harvey Weinstein sort of stuff, I mean, surely they can't have people like that still in the industry, yeah?
2: I think they're still kind of there, but I think what happens to the music industry, it's it's male, no offence, guys, but it's male-dominated. No, no offence, too. Yeah, and therefore it's um, the sexual violence or sexual harassment is based around power inequity. Yeah. And therefore it's still it is still there, but I think it's changing. I think I think there's a lot of policies out there and behavioural patterns where is it is um, changing. So it's but still- there's still existing and you know Violence no longer is just physical, it's also emotional yeah. and financial. Yeah. Yeah. And also not even allowing somebody to get ahead in their career yeah. is considered emotional abuse. So, I think we are addressing it, but we just, and there's a lot of policies and examples out there to address it, but my study, which I'm doing about sexual violence in the Melbourne music industry, is trying to quantify it okay giving some
0: examples now going back about the uh vinyl records how many vinyl records do you have there, andrea no <laughs> i gave
2: them i think i gave them all away
0: well I that's mean, thing. me too i did too that's the thing you know people give them away and now yeah. they want them back you know yeah. so if you go to buy a vinyl record today like a led zeppelin vinyl record or under blood red sky the it, red album it's going to cost you it's going to cost you 49 which is very expensive More. compared to the day you know what i mean um, and you also have to have
2: a record player
0: Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, Have you
1: got
2: one, Andrea? I haven't got a record player. No.
0: No. Oh, so you gave them away? We just gave them away? You just chuck them out, or just give them to someone?
2: What the record? Yeah. I think I think as you moved from your twenties to your thirties, and people weren't playing records anymore, you I didn't yeah. know what happened to them. I mean, sometimes I used to go to record market, um, different markets, and buy some records for my brothers because
0: they still play records. Oh, but yeah. um, I mostly um, listen to music online. So, so do you buy CDs anymore? Would you buy a CD? Would you, like, go out into a... JV? Yeah, Yes, I still buy
2: some
0: CDs, yes, I do. Yeah. So most of the music that you listen to is basically uh, downloaded, is it? Or, or a bit of both, is it? A bit of both.
2: Downloading and streaming, playing it directly to the television with um, Google Chrome, yeah. Mm. And, Andrew, have you ever played, like... To a live
1: audience, because you were talking about live audience before, and like it sounds like you, you you've played in front of a live audience because you know the feeling of being when I on was stage. when I
2: was young, we cl- I played in like, in front of live audience, but I'm talking
1: in my teens. But you you must remember that buzz, but yeah, of being on stage.
2: <laughs> I I actually just remember the
1: fear, the fear, the <laughs> What you don't like? You didn't you, you didn't just absorb it and love it.
2: I think I was too young to understand it, but as i said, there's always time for a second life, yeah. and there's no, there is rationale that I could probably go out there again if I had to. I can join your band. To yes, back up yes, definitely. Yeah, we need a
1: good acoustic guitarist in our band. Yeah. Hey, is this your quote? It takes a village to make a music city.
2: Oh, it does. Yes, it's like it's like a music city is um, is an ecosystem. It, it's basically, you know. A music city is writers, producers, musicians, people who work the bar, venue owners, security, yeah. Yeah. punters, um, people who sell the merchandise. It takes everybody to build a music city, yeah. and also government and media and you know policies and regulations that they write about or they instill. So it takes all of those different elements to make a music city.
1: And therefore, to create a music community. Mm. So, can I give you that? Which city in the whole world, I mean, seeing you've done all these studies and stuff, would you say, you know, is the music capital of the world, of the planet?
2: Well, my book says London. London. Um, my, my book says London, but I would
1: say New York. Okay, but well, why does your book say London and you say New York? Can you... um? Oh, because right.
2: London, London has, London is the business capital of the music industry, so all the big businesses are there, so if you're going to quantify it financially, it's London.
1: Okay, but New York because?
2: Ah, oh, because of vibrancy and the innovation and the very strong multicultural elements, even though... London has that, but it doesn't. London, in my opinion, but I haven't been there. recently to to, to confirm, I've been to New York a lot. No, okay. New York is just mm-hmm. there's so much innovation there, and yeah. um, there's so much edgy music there in New yeah. York. And a lot of people are live. A lot of people, a lot of musicians live in New York. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, well, but they are. No, I mean, they either live in New York, yeah. London, or Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Okay. Now your book there,
0: the Great Music City. Where can they purchase this book? Yes,
2: it's mostly um, mostly online now. Oh, okay. okay. At Pelgrave, um, but if, if they just Google the Great Music City, it's on so many websites like Booktopia. It's on Amazon. Mm-hmm. It's on you know all those all those music all those book sites. So you can, buy, you can you could buy a hard copy of that if you want. Um, You'll want you have to order it online.
0: Order.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, so it's not necessarily sitting in any book. Well, you know, the, the the bookshops haven't been open for last week, yeah. but they're not sitting in the bookshelves anymore. Yeah. They're yeah. mostly all online. I think that's the way of the future with books. Yeah,
0: so basically, books now is pretty much yeah, you don't, online. You, don't you online. download, yeah, is yeah, it yeah. Uh, yeah. rather than the hard copy? Just like the music industry, yeah. same sort of thing.
2: Yes, basically, But um, I always prefer
0: it's not to go into a live music gig. That's right. I always prefer to read a hard a book,
2: copy yeah. of a
0: book. Well, well, Alright, Andrea Baker, appreciate your time. Yes. Okay. A big hand for I'll
1: Andrea Baker. Too. Yes, thank you. thank you very much, Andrea Baker. Yay. Bye. Are you tired of the drip, drip, drip of gonorrhea? Peter Rubin, that's an name, just wash your troubles down the drain. Uh. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Wow. Oh, I heard that somewhere. I don't know where. Do do I
0: used do. to sing it when I was a kid. Is that our TV? TV blade, that's a commercial. Uh, commercial
1: or no, our commercial should be about bougie up. You know that Boogie green I put under my eye, Mate, have a look at my eyes. Nice. They're not even black anymore, are they? What about the other one? Oh, yeah, let's have yeah, a look, have a look. Oh, ah! <laughs> <laughs> see, that's called after bleaching. Uh, you can put it on that one too. I think it uh, Makes it brighter. I think it's supposed to it go under your it. eyes, that
0: stuff, yeah. Yeah, no, no, it
1: did, but like, it's yeah. taken the black out, but the other yeah. one's taken, you know, it's making why, that coat lighter.
0: Why have you got black eyes? Why is, why is it so black? I, I know, can't say. See I, can't. Um, I
1: just probably, probably don't sleep a lot. I don't you know. Don't no, I probably... I do sleep a lot. You do sleep a lot. No Sometimes.
0: But, anyway, so, so everyone just, uh, it's pretty much the end of the show. You wanted to say subscribe. Ah. First, you
1: told me, because you've got a podcast checklist. Yes. And what's your podcast checklist? Well, people... you say, uh, turn up put the phone on silent, you'd say, <laughs> what else? Turn <laughs> off your Bluetooth. Because you always <laughs> stuff it up. But you said something about subscribe, so hurry up. Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: people, uh, it'd be good. If, if people like the show, they, if they want to hear more, they just subscribe to the YouTube, uh, Spotify and Apple. Uh, you know, it does help. But you you know, YouTube, just click that button. You're up, good at ding, the music, ding, you know, Like the like
1: button, ding, 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 ding. ding. Are you tired? Want to go and get your butt lifted and
0: <laughs> bougie up?
1: <laughs> Come on, you want to get a butt
0: lift, don't you? Okay, I'm Tony off now And I'm the medical tool, butter. And we'll see you
2: next time on Showtime. Tom.